Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is what I like to call the real opening night in the NBA, our first real league pass night. We did the Twitter NBA show, really enjoyed that. So we're going to get to Philly and Washington. That was an extremely exciting game. The Spurs clinically dissecting Minnesota. And then two that weren't nationally televised, Memphis and New Orleans. Really wanted to see both of those teams, especially New Orleans with Cousins and Davis together. And then also two other teams we're really excited about in the Northwest Division, Utah and Denver. Sponsored today by Stamps.com. Use that cap space code to get their four-week trial offer plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. And draft. Use the promo code CAPSPACE on your first deposit to play a snake draft daily fantasy basketball for free. Let's start in Washington, where we really saw a lot of what this Philly team could be, even if ultimately they ended up falling to this wizard squad. I'm not sure Robert Covington is going to go seven for 11 from three every night, but there was a lot of more lasting positives. And I think the biggest part of it was that Ben Simmons was better in game one than I really would have expected. He was able to use the space that was conceded to him because of his lack of jump shot. And he showed a lot more fight defensively than he showed at LSU. Yeah, able to get down into his stance. We saw it in the preseason from him as well. He has excellent anticipation had two steals. I would expect him to be, you know, 1.5, two steals a game maybe this year. And didn't have that many times where he got taken advantage of. A couple of times on ball with John Wall, he got beaten by Wall's left to right crossover. Uh, but a lot of guys get beaten by that move. It's John Wall. And he didn't look like, he looked like someone who actually could be an asset as a switch defender. But I think offensively, what we like to see about him was more useful. They had a number of ways to get him into the lane with a head of steam, right? If they went under on the pick and roll then he was able to get to his spots and especially against Otto Porter early he was able to overpower Porter in the lane to get to some decent shots uh also they ran some snug pick and roll action with him and Joel Embiid again if you go under on that now you're so close to the rim he can get ahead of steam up and while he does have some difficulties finishing he only finished seven out of 15 he looked decent doing that had a couple of nice right-handed layups and then the biggest thing that I saw about him in the preseason and continues to be the case is he is the point guard they outlet the ball to him every time and he just runs the floor even when he doesn't have it he runs the floor he created one basket just by sprinting the floor for a layup and I thought just the running mentality that he imparted to this team just I mean there's one play that stuck out of my mind Joel Embiid got a defensive rebound with his toes pointed towards his own baseline took forever to outlet the ball to Simmons Simmons then just decided hey you know what even though everyone is back I'm just gonna push the ball up court fast and just get into that pace mentality at least you get more time on the shot clock that way and he ended up just getting getting just by doing that drawing enough attention that Joel Embiid got a wide open trail three which he missed but just simply dribbling the ball up court as fast as possible even if there isn't an apparent advantage is something that I think really helps it forces defenses to react which is certainly a good thing and you bringing up Embiid is the other sixer centric thing that I think we need to watch moving forward is Joel Embiid is still an absolute delight and he's you know an internet darling and everything like that but it's very different to be the high usage kind of flashy mistake mistake prone guy that he was last year offensively defensively he's phenomenal and that was different on a team that had no expectations than on this Sixers team where if you know a couple of those turnovers go the other way they could very well have won this game against a team that's going to probably host a playoff series on that team's home floor 
Yeah, Embiid, to your point there, the way he played last year was extremely exciting, but it wasn't real NBA basketball. He, The most he ever was able to play was 28 minutes in a game. He had 27 tonight, actually, uh, after he had called the minutes limit fucking bullshit. And they said before the game, it was going to be 20, ended up being actually the 27. But he had a 36% usage last year. Gargantuan turnover rate. They were force-feeding the ball, A, because they didn't have anywhere else to go, and B, because they felt like, hey, we got to get as much out of him as we can during this minutes limit. And he has this habit which I didn't really like much last year either of catching the ball at the top of the key and trying to just put his guy in the mix blow by him while everyone else stands around and you really you can't do that anymore I mean you have really good shooters on the weak side you swing it JJ Reddick can come off a wide pin down you can have guys go back door you can get the ball into Ben Simmons hands post him up and you can't just hold the ball forever and ever and dance around and he, he did that a few times and I think they're gonna have to get him out of there try to have him get deeper post position he was seven out of 15 from the field only got to the foul line four times actually which is much lower than it has been in the past did have 13 rebounds 18 points in those 27 minutes and, and the it, four and turnovers was, which you mentioned and was much more disruptive on the defensive end even than Amir Johnson who has cultivated a justified reputation as being a good defender and you brought up Embiid's overall usage rate and that, that's important to look at in clutch situations last year which admittedly he wasn't they were 23 games they counted he had a clutch usage rate of 49.3 behind only Harden and Westbrook ahead of Isaiah ahead of DeMarcus Cousins and that reared its head too because there were a couple plays where he's like I'm gonna bring the ball down the floor and late in the game and to force the turnover and you know it's it's not the biggest stakes you know the Sixers I think we both expect them to be better two years from now than they are right now and it's of course it's game one of an 82 game season but you want to see how these things evolve over the course of it and also it seemed like Ben Simmons was getting frustrated by some of it yeah the, he did that a couple of times and I'm not saying I noticed that much but those two guys are both kind of interesting dudes you might say right as Emil Hausman would say and Simmons a guy who's been dogged by rumors of kind of being detached from his teammates it wouldn't shock me if you know two years from now we hear rumors of those two guys like not getting along incredibly well um not saying it's going to happen but it's just something I, I might keep an eye on and that dynamic as this team moves forward and in, into trying to be a, a good team what did you see from Markel? Other than a horrendously ugly jump shot and a horrendously ugly free throw motion, a, a competent NBA player in terms of creating separation and getting to the basket. He didn't finish everything at the basket, but he was getting there. And I think early on his career, that's important. And yeah, he was shaky defensively, but he actually was not as horrible as he was a lot of the time at UW. That is damning with faint praise to be sure. But you saw portions of that and something that I've always loved about Fultz going back to you know watching him a little bit in high school and at the hoop summit when he's in transition especially or when he's creating that separation he has his head up and he's looking for teammates this is not the compare this is the part where he separates from young Kyrie Irving is that Irving at that age looked for his own shot primarily when he had space and Fultz can do that but he can also pass yeah Fultz only had one assist but he had a couple of nice looks and really did not operate on the ball hardly at all and he did have 10 points in 18 minutes, five of nine from the field. Did not hit a shot outside the paint. Only attempted one, which was real ugly. His free throws are awful. And Bodner described it really well a, a couple of days ago when we did that podcast. But he basically is like shooting the ball absolutely as far out in front of his body as you possibly can. I mean, he doesn't even have his elbow at 90 degrees. It's an... Uh, obtuse angle which you never see someone hold the ball like that and predictably both of his free throws were awful I mean our reaction to it in the Twitter NBA show but Ben Dull our, our intern with Twitter NBA show tweeted out our commentary over the free throws it was horrible uh but Fultz did show that ability to get to the basket he had some nice cuts off the ball since he's not shooting threes he wasn't spotting up so he's just gonna go cut to the rim uh got a couple of shots blocked including by John Wall in memorable fashion he kind of took it personally a couple of times when Wall defended and wasn't really able to do much against him and wall cooked him on the other end but i mean he looked like everything we wanted him to look like except for this weird jumper thing something else i want to keep an eye on with the sixers is how they manage all these guys that like the ball in their hands so Embiid, we talked about a little earlier ben simmons they basically staggered fultz to a degree from simmons he did play a little bit with Embiid, but also dario Saric is you know was a contender for rookie of the year last year and to a point is marginalized in this system he's not a great shooter he's better with the ball in his hands and he, he's a little bit shaky defensively 
defensively. And so that was something you had talked about during the offseason. And basically, like, if all these guys start the season healthy, they should try to strike while the iron is hot on Sharch. And I understand why that's complicated from a personal perspective, because he, you know, he did agree to take the rookie scale deal. I mean, that, that saved the Sixers a ton of money instead of waiting and everything like that. But he's going to be sidelined functionally by virtue of having guys who are better at what he does or at least have higher ceilings than what than what he does right now yeah that's a good point i mean he was 23 minutes one of five tonight they're interesting with the rotations here and i think brett braun to some degree is limited by the joel Embiid minutes limit and but he basically was taking out all of his starters with like five minutes to go in the first quarter and all of his starters and he didn't even put sharich in i mean they had some units out there where they just didn't have anyone to create at all it was reddick was probably their best creator in some of those lineups and those lineups got really cooked pretty badly. Markel was negative 18 in his 18 minutes. TJ McConnell, TLC, uh, was negative 19. McConnell was negative 14. Uh, all those guys played less than 20 minutes. And they were going up against the Washington starters late in the first and third quarter. And then Washington, both times really, that they went with neither Beal nor Wall or Porter on the floor. And you remember they used to run Markeith Morris with those units last year, but he's out with that sports hernia surgery just for like they try to get away with it for like two or three minutes at the start of the quarter and Braun would come back with Simmons and, and usually Embiid during that stretch and then those guys would get cooked and they get right back in the game we saw that in both the beginning of the second and fourth quarter and then it ended up being pretty close down the end in this one uh all right let's do a, a quick read here we'll get back to talk about what we thought of the Washington Wizards in this one recently I've been ordering a bunch of stuff online as we're preparing to move into this new house i've had to send a bunch of stuff by mail lately as well i got bills to pay i gotta pay danny for being on the show so stamps.com is a great way to do that stamps.com lets you buy and print official u.s postage for any letter any package any class of mail using your own computer and printer you simply click print mail and you're done they never close usually i i'll do a lot of work when i'm done with the podcast at like one in the morning so that's nice to have they have a digital scale they'll automatically calculate exact postage they sent me that and you even get discounts that you can't get at the post office. Stamps.com brings all the services, the U.S. Postal Service, right to your fingertips. You even schedule a package pickup, which I like is when I buy stuff online, I need to return it. Right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, let them know that you came from us. You click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in CAPSPACE. That's Stamps.com, promo code CAPSPACE. Easy to remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time on the program. That's even on the back of our shirts that we sell. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again with that CAPSPACE code. So what'd you make of the Wizards in this one? There wasn't really a lot that was surprising from that end. They did get more from the bench. Kelly Oubre had some nice moments out there, including an absolutely ridiculous dunk, which was either the best or second best oh, dunk yes. of the night. Where he he basically it was it was a tip dunk where he caught the ball with cocked in his left hand. It was filthy. Just a phenomenal play. And well, you know, in the dunk contest, they will like throw the ball off the side of the backboard and then the guy will go get it far away from the rim he did one of those except it was off a tip dunk off of two feet he just like caught it way back over his head it was great flexibility in his shoulder to be able to do that and just yoked it down with his left hand with that 7-2 wingspan that he has really just an awesome dunk for sure then beyond that, I mean, Jody Meeks had had a, fa- a fine game. I thought I thought he did a nice job, certainly better than many of their alternatives last year. But then the other takeaway was, you know, guys like John Wall, Bradley Beal, Marcin Gortat are good, are very good basketball players. And John Wall is just a delight to watch. He is this combination of a capable passing point guard who also has incredible athleticism. The other dunk that I was referring to was when he absolutely detonated after TJ McConnell tried to draw a charge and absolutely did not. And then he dunked all over TLC and Wall combines those two things that he has that athleticism, but he makes good passes to his teammates. He sets up open shots. He's been one of the best guys at three point assists in the last couple of years. And so it was a reminder of all of those things at the same time. 
Yeah, it was also a reminder of some of his weaknesses as well. He was only 10 out of 28 from the field, took a lot of mid-rangers in this game, had eight assists. Uh, The Wizards, I thought this was at least decent for philly they only gave up 22 three-point attempts wizards were six out of 22 from deep Ubre actually was three out of six and that means everyone else combined to go three for 18 or three for 16 and what really saved the wizards in this one and in the second half was the foul line they had 40 percent free throw rate in the third quarter 50 percent in the fourth quarter i mean bradley beal never a guy who's like some impossible to stop free throw guy 12 out of 16 jody meeks was seven out of seven just a lot of kind of bad fouls by some of these young sixers guys just trailing getting on guys back and and picking up foul calls so it was 30 out of 38 from the foul line for the wizards and they also got in the offensive glass to the tune of 16 off of rebounds Gortat was pretty key there he had 16.17 rebounds in 34 minutes yeah so what else I mean so then another thing that I didn't bring up earlier was that Yamahinmi looked like more of a an all-around contributor he battled injuries so much last year and getting 48 solid minutes at center will really help the Wizards even though he won't single-handedly solve their second unit issues no, he won't. And I mean, I don't think he, he definitely fouled and beat a ton. And they were those two guys were getting into it a little bit. Uh, Mahimi, of course, you know, one of the more foul prone players in the league and had four fouls in 14 minutes here, but it did have a couple of nice finishes inside for six points the Wizards had trouble matching up I thought one thing that the Sixers did well the unit that got them back in in the fourth they actually were playing Ben Simmons at center or maybe you could say Sharich was the center one of those two guys and the Wizards were going with Mahimi and Mahimi can't guard either of those guys really uh and so that really made things difficult they started with Jason Smith who played the first seven minutes at the four and then he he got like the half Keith Bogans he never came back in the game at all after starting the game uh because again they're starting Simmons really at the nominal four the Sixers even though he's the point guard so that meant Smith had to guard Robert Covington he was not able to do that Covington really got off in that first quarter you mentioned that he went seven for 11 overall from three and so then they started the second half with Ubre and did pretty well there uh Ubre ended up with uh 32 minutes at 14 points so that helped I think uh and you know they just they had some competent performances like Meeks had 14 points as you mentioned tim frazier only played 13 minutes and he was negative 12 in those 13 minutes but i didn't think that he played so badly he had five assists during that time period a really nice alley-oop to mihimi at the end of the first quarter for example so those guys got outscored part of that is just because they were going up against a lot of starters that's just how the rotations worked out in this one but i didn't think that they all looked that bad mike scott was three for six in this one and they didn't have guys out there who just were sucking uh even though they were getting outscored uh during those periods anything else that you think is important from this game or do you want to move on to to the other Twitter NBA show game. Yeah, last thing, this was an extremely fast game, 107 possessions. And also remember, Philly was able to get back into it. They got a wide open, not wide open, but pretty open three for Redick that he rimmed out. Uh, they also had two incredibly costly turnovers. Uh, we expected that Philly was going to have a really bad turnover percentage this year, and they did well in the first half, but ended up turning it over on 16% of their possessions, which is pretty close to last in the league type of levels. Covington and Bayless, uh, had two really bad plays get deflected in the when they had the ball with a chance to tie at the end and then the Wizards were able to close it out with, with some free throws after they finally missed that three uh, by Redick um but yeah I think I'm a little more optimistic about Philly after this game but uh you know we'll have to see wh- whether they can get I mean their starters they got really nice three-point shooting Bayless three of seven Redick four of eight Covington was that seven of 11 so shooting 43 percent on 35 attempts that's good and I think Embiid made it through the game without getting injured and Robert Covington looked great shooting the ball getting a lot of attempts up and, and taking some difficult ones with tough footwork so if Covington can hit shots I think that's going to go a long way to making this offense pretty good I mean and and they had a 34 point quarter in this one they had 64 points in the second half over 30 uh I'm sorry actually that's uh that's Washington but uh Philly had a 33 point fourth quarter 36 point second quarter like you know those were not numbers that they have been putting up in these last four years I think Simmons obviously helps that finally having someone who can run the show JJ Redick really underrated what he does as a shooter so maybe this team will be a competent offense and you know they looked like a team tonight that could get to you know being a playoff team being a 500 team 
Certainly. And I think that ties in, interestingly, with what we saw in the second game, which are two clear-cut playoff teams that looked a little bit different than they will at the end of the year, like the Sixers will. The Spurs, due to injuries, and the... Timberwolves due to just lack of familiarity but there are a lot of a lot of just unusual things in this game the the biggest one for me being that San Antonio you know their main unit defense was solid despite starting now sophomore DeJounte Murray and Kyle Anderson in place of Kawhi Leonard Murray was the story for the Spurs 25 minutes seven of eight from the field he had two steals as well 16 points and that seven of eight I mean he never took a shot outside of 10 feet it was all opportunistic scoring floaters even got on the offensive glass a couple of times he is starting to evolve defensively and his length is a problem challenging shots he was a little overzealous he fouled jump shooters twice in this one uh but he shows up in unexpected places and gets his hands on a lot of balls and he can cause some problems i think um you know whether against a more disciplined defensive team we'll see what ends up happening there kyle anderson i mean just 12 points in 30 minutes playing at the three danny green had a really nice game uh especially defensively he made things extremely difficult uh, for jimmy butler who was only 5 of 12 and was negative 19 only 12 points for butler and the spurs really were able to control minnesota in somewhat similar fashion just by dominating the interior in minnesota you know with Todd Gibson, Carl Towns, Gorgie Jang playing a, a fair amount. You would think they have the size to match up with the Spurs, but because of Minnesota's lack of shooting, Pau Gasol played 29 minutes. He had three blocks. Aldridge had two blocks. There are 11 blocks total for the Spurs in this one. They were really able to control the interior and force Minnesota, especially due to the lack of spacing, to try to score inside a, over their length. And Taj Gibson, although he did take two threes and miss both of them, was three for 11, was not able to hit his jumper outside the paint. That's not a deterrent to guys like Gasol and Aldridge helping out in the interior and they really forced minnesota into terrible shooting at the rim they in the first half they were nine of 20 at the rim 20 shots is a ton of shots but they just kept getting forced to miss over and over again and some of that was what i still refer to as valentunasing where you get your own rebound and try again and so you so they were having those opportunities no that i think that is that is moses malone well moses malone i feel like he did it more like some of those were more on purpose than valentunas where it's just like a miss and oh it came back to that is the legend Ooh, yes. a candy. It's kind of like that. But yes. but so the, the concern with the Timberwolves is that they don't really have much recourse. In this game, Andrew Wiggins early on was hitting all of his threes. I think it was four for five early on, ended up four for six. But the rest of their team is basically, other than Jamal Crawford, reluctant shooters and or bad shooters. I mean, well, Towns is better, but he only took one in this game. And so if it, if teams collapse on them, they can't really do a lot to make them pay. It's not like they're going to go, oh, well, look, look at what we're going to do here. We're going to, and they can do some stuff with screens. And they did, there were a couple times with cross screens where I thought they did a nice job, but they don't have as many counter punches despite having so much talent. They do have a lot of talent. And Wiggins, 26 points, nine of 14, four of six on threes did get a few more spot up looks from three than he's accustomed to only shot four of nine from the foul line which hurt uh it was a 107 99 spurs victory which uh, they really led it by 10 most of the the fourth quarter there's a, a weird yin and yang to this one where the spurs would go up by 10 wolves would come back spurs would go up by 10 again wolves would come back but that pattern stopped in the fourth quarter as the spurs went up 10 and minnesota never really threatened down the end i mean actually no i i, I missed spoke there they they got it close minnesota actually yeah minnesota was yeah minnesota was up by one with five minutes left in the game and then really until garbage time they didn't score again the spurs went on what i called on the twitter nba show a 9-1 walk because it took place over about uh maybe a 9-0 walk it took place over about five minutes minnesota didn't score from like six minutes left until there was like one minute left in the game uh and the spurs weren't exactly lighting it up but it was enough i'm amazed we've gone this long about this game without talking about rudy gay rudy gay looked a lot better than i expected he did come off the bench but he played 24 minutes showed a little bit more burst and he had 14 points and you know the lateral quickness isn't all the way back you know he's not you know 24 year old rudy gay or anything like that but he looked a whole lot i don't better. know if he ever had any lateral quickness actually but he's more of a straight yeah. line vertical type of athlete but he, he had a couple of dunks uh off a two foot couple off of drives one foot. He was able to get into the lane yeah and we said before the season that if anybody could really help 
him rehab it would be the really well respected Spurs medical staff they're going to keep him fresh he played that 24 minutes he closed the game and it was the closing lineups who were very interesting too they had Butler at the four Minnesota did Wiggins at three Wiggins only played 30 minutes I don't know what was wrong with Tibbs only playing 30 minutes when he you know basically led the league last year and uh was on fire but they had a nice unit going there at the start of the fourth quarter and Tibbs does what he often does which is go with the hot hands and you remember there were all those games last year when Tyus Jones would just not play at all and then play the final 12 minutes Jones in fact played the final 12 minutes in this one they made their comeback to tie it at the start of the fourth so he just left Jamal Crawford in left Jones in did not go back to Jeff Teague who had had a nice third quarter uh and then but was negative 17 for the game so they basically had Butler at the four that lineup you know, it has some pretty good spacing to it, but they still really were not able to score. And Butler in particular really just did not have that good of a game. And in those lineups, Jamal Crawford is providing a lot less value because you have other guys that you want to have the ball in their hands. Jamal Crawford at a, has a specific place on a team like this, which is if you have him on the floor, it's actually kind of similar to the idea of Nick Young on the second unit of the Warriors. If you have him on the floor, at least you can get above a certain baseline as an expected value on an offense offense and when you have a bench that's bad like theoretically Jamal Crawford on the Wizards with their bench last year would have provided some real value but once you add Jimmy Butler once you add Carl Anthony Towns and and Wiggins when he came back in Jamal Crawford doesn't really have a place to be and he's an absolute sieve defensively there was a fun stretch when he and the other ageless wonder Manu Ginobili were guarding each other and they were just each getting open looks or passes or whatever they wanted but Jamal Crawford isn't helping there and so yeah he can be a value in the early part of the fourth quarter but you have to recognize what that is and be ready to shift from it due to your superior personnel. I totally agree with that. Although Crawford was good, 24 minutes, 10 points, five assists, only five shot attempts from the field. So certainly efficient, but yeah, like with the Clippers, having him in the game at the end just doesn't make sense when you have superior options. He's either going to shoot it and be less efficient or just be relegated to a spot up guy. But that's not why they lost the game. They just couldn't score it on the end. That wasn't Crawford's fault. He didn't really get the ball much during that period. Would have liked to have seen them go back to T during that period, see if they could score a little more. Although Tyus Jones, I think, is better than him defensively already and Jones brought some nice pace to the game despite middling box score statistics how'd you think about the way while we're criticizing parts of Tibbs rotation one thing I will give him credit for is that Nemanja Bielitsa and Gorgie Jang played almost exactly the same amount of minutes and my expectation was they were going to rely a lot more on Jang go with those two big reliable lineups and not only that but they played Butler at the four at a few a few different moments and so they're going to need to do a whole heck of a lot more of that like that is how especially considering the limitations of some of the guys in their perimeter rotation they will need to make that happen but I was good I was very pleased that we saw more of that early than I expected to and also interesting was the last five minutes of this game we mentioned Butler was at the four I don't remember who did it first I think they both came into these lineups simultaneously with about five minutes left in the game Spurs closed with Rudy Gay at the four and LaMarcus Aldridge at center so probably the two coaches who are still the biggest slaves to the two big orthodoxy both closed the game even with small lineups and remember with San Antonio here you know they were playing without Kawhi Leonard without their their best player and somebody who makes a lot of their other rotational decisions make a lot more sense you know like Kyle Anderson playing 30 minutes and that's the other element that makes what DeJounte Murray did so encouraging is that his length defensively will be amplified in terms of value when you add Kawhi Leonard to it like that's a trio with Danny Green as the other guy in that that could be really destructive and because DeJounte Murray he can't really shoot outside of probably about 10 10 feet at this point and teams aren't respecting it but that matters a little bit less when you have Kawhi out there who's going to occupy defenders occupy attention and just a, a, a more stable place in the rotation so I think the Spurs are on a good track to be a very good regular season team that is not remotely a surprise and I also was reminded of just how many capable intelligent offensive players they have I mean we have Patty Mills and Manu Ginobili coming off your bench and I think Rudy Gay is going to fit well if they use him in some of those lineups too well and I think that is probably the biggest overall 
overall development and i'm glad you got to it with gay looking this good especially this early i mean we didn't even know for sure if he's gonna be ready to start the season he suffered that achilles tear in january and if he can play in the front court with Kawhi, i think that really changes things a lot for the spurs team if he can be an efficient option for them as well maybe that does make them more you know kind of up there with the rockets or the thunder once Kawhi leonard comes back we don't know still when that's going to be uh but he was on the bench looking kind of happy so he didn't you know wasn't looking like totally miserable so maybe that'll be sooner rather than later no idea there um for minnesota their defense was unacceptably bad in this game uh they this is a spurs team without Kawhi leonard gave up a buck 13 offensive rating to these guys especially the first half was pretty ugly carl towns had a couple of moments defending lamarcus aldridge late but generally got beasted in the post uh had four fouls was not very effective not in a stance a lot of the time taj gibson didn't really seem to help things jimmy butler didn't really seem to help things that much so maybe they'll get better you have to hope so but the first test of hey this minnesota defense are they going to be a lot better uh did not pass it and this is a game that without Kawhi leonard you would think that minnesota eh, you know i mean home field advantage home court advantage in the nba is pretty huge right so i mean we were arguing about like what the spurs would be without leonard this year i think they would be like a 45 win team if he never played just because they're so well coached so i mean that's about a 50 50 proposition but this is the type of game that minnesota if they're going to be a 50 win team like i picked them to be and i'm of course going to regret that i mean it's only one game but you know because it's the wolves they always disappoint right uh that's the type of game they need to win and they really outside of a couple runs you know were not that competitive in this game you always felt like the spurs were in control except for a few brief moments of this one and I want to keep an eye on how the Wolves handle this. the remainder of this run. They play the Jazz, the Thunder twice, and then Miami before the end of October. And those teams are all really talented. A couple of them have some serious continuity. And, you know, I think they'll do okay. I think they'll rebound from this and be fine. But you want to keep an eye on it. That's just the way this always works, especially with teams early in the season. And I want to see where their rotation goes. I want to see if, you know, if, if Wiggins' jump shot could stay anything close to what it was and we've talked at various moments about and I've written about the idea that Oklahoma City would benefit a lot from having some of their guys their new additions most notably Paul George and Carmelo Anthony shooting a higher proportion of their shots their threes as catch and shoot as opposed to pull-ups the same is true with Andrew Wiggins if he can take better shots then that will really help him out because his his mechanics as a catch and shoot guy aren't bad Last thing on the Wolves, we talked about the going small, but you know, with Gibson not having a great game today, maybe he'll look better. But this is the team that Todd Gibson is supposed to be good against, right? It's another two big team. Uh, most of the game they had two bigs. Gorgie Jang, only 14 minutes in this one. Hey, uh, only 16 million a year for the next four years there. Uh, if you could have replaced him, Tom Thibodeau, with someone that you think is better, who should play more minutes for only two years, 14 million, maybe shouldn't have signed to that contract. You know, not the first team to overpay someone with a bad contract but that's going to be an issue if they're facing the luxury tax soon with towns and perhaps butler do a, a new contract if he sticks around so that's gonna be something to monitor i mean are, are they gonna have their closing lineups where they're not even gonna have gibson or jang on the floor is gibson you know gonna be kind of done uh that's something to watch very closely here uh, is this wolves team has just struggled to find someone who can really fit next to carl anthony towns and and before you know ever since kevin love left really they've had struggles at power and also to watch how minnesota's new additions and their holdovers handle thibodeau's rotational inconsistencies i didn't think jeff teague seemed particularly happy about not coming in in the fourth quarter uh no i wouldn't be all right, before we get to the remainder of our games here, today is that first big league pass day of the season. And you can make those days really exciting with fantasy basketball. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try the draft app. It's daily fantasy basketball, but much different because it's a snake draft. You play snake drafts with other people, just like in your season long league. It lasts for one night, so you don't have to keep managing your team. You can just lock in for that one night and play. And it's much better than those salary cap leagues. You have a better chance of winning because you're not not going against pros who are entering hundreds of tournaments each night. 
They're drafts that start every couple of minutes. You do the snake draft. Those big pros can't just submit the same lineup or a bunch of different lineups that are preset because you don't know how a snake draft is going to go. Draft also takes care of last minute injuries for you, gives you a replacement and drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for everyone download the app anytime you just search draft in your app store join a game in minutes or you can play right from your computer at draft.com for limited time only all players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit with my familiar promo code capspace use your draft a little bit more efficiently than the wolves use their cap space on gorgi jang easy to remember that cap space code though because we talk about it all the time on the program so play a real money game for free use that promo code cap space on your first deposits let's get to memphis and new orleans now i really wanted to see both of these teams wayne selden missed this one with a quad contusion aaron harrison i'm sorry andrew harrison started in his place aaron harrison no longer in the league i believe uh jamichael green went down with an ankle sprain only four minutes in he's scheduled for an mri tomorrow came down on the foot of demarcus cousins after skying for a defensive rebound i think let's start with talking about new orleans though you know, AD and Cousins, it's very interesting to watch how they're using these guys. Um, with Rajon Rondo out in particular, those guys basically have license to do whatever they want. And there was one play that struck me where AD got a defensive rebound and didn't even look to outlet the ball. Everyone else just ran down floor. They're saying, hey, you know what? We're just going to have AD bring the ball up court. And I like the idea of just having him and Cousins act like guards, get a Marcus Gasol way out in space to make him defend at the three-point line, drive by, let those guys cross over, go to the basket. I really like they're bringing AD off the screens. They're running a 5-4 pick and roll with Cousins handling the ball. They got some decent stuff out of that on occasion. Creative stuff uh, from Alvin Gentry, who's renowned as a good offensive guru. The problem is, though, they just don't have enough shooting around those guys to really make it work that well, despite the creativity that they've shown. DeMarcus Cousins took nine three-pointers in this game. His starting perimeter teammates took eight combined. That's a problem, you know, and all those guys played heavy minutes so it isn't a circumstance of you know opportunity or anything yeah. like that and it's not a problem because cousins was taking the shots no, I mean, no, he no. was hot it cooled off a little bit but uh you know he, he actually started three of his first four and finished three out of nine uh from yeah. three-point range but you know the, he wasn't taking no no, no he wasn't it's just the reluctance of some of his teammates to shoot and that that you know that gives us a, a kind of a pressure release to opposing defenses which normally you would just be building and building up with demarcus cousins and anthony davis there I, the first thing I, I, I that really struck with me at watching this game, there's a little bit of a story, but I'll try to keep it quick, is I was frustrated that New Orleans started the game with four of their five starters wearing headbands. I, I was just getting a little bit disoriented and everything like that. But then it became a good proxy for later on in the game for how their lineups were going to succeed. Because the fewer headbands were on the floor, the more likely those situations were to lead to disaster. Particularly when, when <laughs> Drew Holiday came out and they put in Ian Clark. Ian Clark is not a point guard he's not a primary ball handler he struggled in a lot of those things he's also not a great defender and so like when they were running these lineups that were mostly their lower end rotation players they were getting absolutely worked yeah jordan crawford was awful defensively in this one I and mean, they had a, a a lineup with clark crawford and darius miller also there all, all out there darius miller uh despite uh my boy aaron jackson saying that he would be a good player coming back to the nba did not look good by statistical translations coming back and then he uh was the same guy 0 for 1 17 points not really or on um, 17 minutes and you know not really particularly a ton of juice four personal fouls uh you know it doesn't look like an nba athlete out there um you know Crawford shot well last year but he just got cooked defensively Clark is going to get cooked defensively um Tony Allen got 11 minutes uh screwed up a couple of fast breaks didn't really have much of an impact in his return to Memphis although he got a nice ovation and the Grizzlies by and large look good one thing that impressed me was how well they handled the Jermichael Green injury I mean you have your starting power forward goes out four minutes in the game the first thing they did was they brought in Brandon Wright and we're going to talk about another team that played two centers for a very different reason in a little bit but Wright did a decent enough job there. I thought Conley looked very good in this game. And Gasol, you know, had yeoman's work to do and did a did a relatively good job. It wasn't the most efficient offensive night for him, but I mean he was he battled when he was out there. And so Memphis had to adjust a lot of this on the fly. They used Jarrell Martin a lot. He played 19 minutes. And Dylan Brooks, partially due to Selden, you know, being out, he played a very different role than I expected. And really, I think the biggest thing he brought, I mean, you could look at his line, you know, 19 points, seven 
seven to thirteen from the field, five rebounds, two assists, four steals. And I think the biggest thing he brought was just effort and intensity. And you can get a lot there, especially against the team that has a limited perimeter rotation. I thought he did a really nice job. Yeah, the four steals and two blocks. Uh, he got out in transition. The Pels always vulnerable in transition because anytime Demarcus misses a layup, he's going to bitch at the refs. Didn't get back. That that part of his game is not improved. His demeanor is not improved. He looked thinner, and in fact, had seven blocks in this game. Five in the first um, quarter, right? And also, like, had a nice lefty dunk on Gasol. Like, he looks more spry. He got up. I mean, this wasn't all like length blocks either. He got up and took one out of the air pretty nicely. So he looks a little more spry. But uh, you know, so his conditioning might be better. But he still is kind of not getting into a stance. Like he gave up some pick and roll blow buys. Tough assignment for him too. They started off with AD guarding Gasol, and Gasol likes to hang out at the three point line, of course, which makes it a difficult guard. And then AD got into foul trouble, so Cousins had to start guarding him. Cousins then also got into his own foul trouble. Um, but he had some okay moments guarding Gasol, but also was pretty inconsistent. And then really the transition defense, I thought, was a major problem. Uh, the Pels only six fast break points gave up sixteen to the Grizz. Grizz also had fifty six points in in the paint. And uh, it, this game actually should have been worse. It was one hundred three ninety one, and the Grizz were only sixteen to twenty eight from the foul line. Really struggled. Um, how did uh, Chandler Parsons look to you for the Grizz? Physically, he looked a little bit better than I expected. He wasn't, you know... I, I thought he looked a lot better, actually, to, to me. Maybe you disagree. Uh, a lot better. I, I mean, I didn't see the, you know, the... It's true. I'm just, I guess I'm, I was thinking more of like two years ago Chandler Parsons as opposed to last year Chandler Parsons. Yeah, well, well, yeah. so let me explain what I mean. I think the biggest thing that I saw from him was really some energy defensively. And in what was kind of the decisive stretch of the game, started the fourth quarter he came off the bench played mostly as a small ball power forward he was guarding ad during that stretch and actually did a nice job he was fronting him in the post made it tougher to catch poor david wesley he always goes nuts about how like oh he's ad's got some small guy and you got to get him the ball in the post well ad's not very good at getting position uh they throw in the he has a high enough usage that you know he doesn't have the energy to really post up deep and they're always fronting it they don't have any shooting so they're able to get backside help on those but i mean remember he did the same thing in an early season game when pj tucker wouldn't let him get the ball at the end of last year too and they lost to the suns at, at home uh but yeah i felt that uh parsons looked good there just his overall defensive energy he had a couple of nice drives on the lane he hit a three did go one of five from the foul line he got fouled on the three uh for part of that but you know he just he looked like a player out there he looked like he had some energy you know he wasn't just slogging through uh, hoping to get open or just plodding into the lane i, I think you know, he only played 15 minutes but i thought he had a nice performance when he was out there and maybe someone they can explore giving a little more time to you know they didn't really let him handle it pick and roll or anything like that but he had a nice drive off a closeout he just he looked a little bit better i think he's still gonna have to get into condition to play bigger minutes and they're probably gonna not want to play him too many minutes they'll bring him along slowly but i i was encouraged that he can at least you know when i had chris harrington on the show he said hey you know the expectations are just let's hope he can contribute at a rotational level instead of being one of the worst nba players in the league and i, I thought he d showed some promise doing that tonight yeah i think that's certainly fair and it was good to explain your rationale on that and i was also encouraged to see mario Charles you know coming back from his own serious injury he missed a bunch of shots but he was passing the ball well he was keeping everybody engaged and part of what memphis is going for right now is making sure that at least their one through threes but ideally their fours are really running the four in transition so you need your ball handlers to reward players for driving he had one really beautiful pass i think it was to cut to tyreek where he was just just kind of hit him on on a on a transition play where he was actually a little bit behind him thought that was nice and they're really going to rely on Chalmers in that spot for the time being and you know you don't want him to go one for nine every night you don't want Tyreek to go four for 12 but I think there were some benefits to what they did granted you're also not going to play the Pelicans transition defense every night Brandon Wright you mentioned him briefly looked really good another guy coming back from injury he was healthy in theory at the end of last season after basically missing his first year and a half as a Grizzly but 27 minutes for him he and Gasol actually worked okay together in part because the Pels go with two bigs a lot and Wright you know he's a little slight for guarding a AD or Cousins but he didn't get totally worked and, and 10 points five of seven from the field uh they Tyreek Evans took 12 shots in 20 minutes uh took a few bad threes he was one of four from out there but at least gave them a little bit of playmaking on the second unit one thing that does have to end though for these guys is Andrew Harrison starting
starting at the two he's a good defensive player i thought he did a nice job on drew holiday uh who had a miserable night with two for 11 four points in 39 minutes but harrison is just one of the worst offensive guards in basketball and was one of six tonight just not a threat he'll try to drive in he can't finish at the rim he just throws up some floater uh one of six i mean he's one of like he was like one of the worst two-point shooters in college basketball when he uh left kentucky so they can't wait to get wayne selden back they did play chalmers more uh, at the two in the second half and we'll see whether chalmers like he knows how to play which is more than you could say for a lot of these guys but uh didn't shoot it well and looks a little bit heavy still to me but he, he was attacking it and as you said it was good to see him back one other thing i wanted to mention um, so what else you got i, I praised memphis in the offseason that i thought they they took a lot of shots at swingmen and i thought that was a really good thing because there aren't that many good ones in the league and so you just take as many shots as you can and think about this game that you know harrison was playing in place of selden they also don't have ben mackamore because he's coming back from his own injury and they still got you know pretty solid minutes at the two and the three from a lot of different guys that they're not not paying a ton of money to and look at comparing that to new orleans who is spending more money you know partially also with solomon hill being out but they're paying more money to guys that didn't produce nearly as well and i think you could expect that to be the same moving forward yeah the Pels they always got to go with like the veteran option Dante Cunningham started at the three for them after they brought him back once they had created a little space with that Pondexter trade and Cunningham is just a guy out there you know he doesn't have a ton of energy he's better as a small ball four they didn't play him there at all really and you're right I think too that Brooks is an interesting type of player now where he's not you know a great athlete I mean I think I would actually compare him a little bit in his game to Abdel Nader those guys are both somewhat similar athletes i think brooks maybe is a little better shooter than nader but second round guys who can do some things off the dribble and get to the rim maybe you know not an elite finisher where you're not gonna be like hey run a pick and roll but in a semi-transition situation off a broken play off a pro closeout they can actually get to the rim and make a play and there's something to be said for players like that who aren't going to necessarily dominate the ball but when they get thrown to them with a slight advantage they can do something with it and that's what brooks is able to do tonight yeah uh anything else on this game or do you want to move on to what was our nightcap it was eh, i guess it was the last game it was going on kind of at the same time as the last one we were covering for the twitter show yeah so i only had time <laughs> to watch the decisive <laughs> 22 to 2 run in this one um so uh, i'll leave this uh, to you here where i wanted to start actually um was how did Derek Favors look uh, physically for you with the Jazz? He looked okay. He was really playing power forward because they used Ekpe Udo as their backup center, which, I mean, Ekpe did a very good job, so I'm not going to say that was a mistake. Favors, I still think, you know, you asked physically, if he was moving okay, he looked a little bit too enthusiastic about his jump shot because his jump shot is not good enough to be enthusiastic about it, but he looked okay. I, the guy who was... Yeah, he's got to take yeah, that, oh, though. Oh, of course, if he's especially if he's the four. four. Take but that. the far more encouraging and because utah's summer league games were are not summer league games their preseason games were not as easy easily accessible i had no idea that alec burks was this right was was playing this well and he looked the best that he has looked in years and was a key part in that fourth quarter run yeah i mean really you remember that he has essentially missed a year and a half due to injury never really got back uh, he, he had that broken ankle i think it was um and i think actually he said his last three years pretty much you know injury marred uh but he was a part of this foundation he got that four-year 42 million dollar deal for a reason and he really looked like he could be a quality six man he had 16 points in only 15 minutes in this one he was huge in that decisive run it hit a couple of threes he was two or two there came along the baseline for a, a two-hand two-foot dunk in traffic which is really nice he had another just beautiful reverse layup as well i really was impressed just by how he looked athletically i mean it looked like he had never been injured and that was the big issue for him was he was getting to the rim he just couldn't finish and if he can get back to finishing you know maybe he will be a valuable player on a team that's going to be desperate for offense uh donovan mitchell actually started at the two in this one rodney hood uh had a stomach issue late before tip off only played 18 minutes uh mitchell was plus 22 he was out there actually playing point guard with burks in the backcourt 
uh, with two kind of ball handling two guards was only three for 11 I mean that's what I expect for Mitchell is that he's going to turn the ball over a little bit he's going to get shots blocked at the rim um, and that he's not going to take some great shots but I think you know he's going to be great defensively he had a nice play where he stoned Wilson Chandler in the post so I think he can be effective I think anyone you know Mike Schmitz said he thought he was going to be rookie of the year I don't think he's just he's not going to be efficient enough I don't think to do that and I don't I don't know exactly I mean if, if he's going to be a guy that they're actually going to need to create offense I don't know how efficient he can be in the future you know maybe if he's just a pure spot up guy he'll be better but uh yeah he looked about how I think you would have expected which was pretty good a couple of takeaways that I think were significant early in the game and some of those bled into the later part one was it was more on feel than on the statistics but this looked more like a Rubio team than I expected they were they weren't getting fast break points but they were looking to push a little bit more offensively which is something Rubio does and also he's just great at finding guys so the combination of Rubio and Ingles playing together they're, they're they were doing a nice job of hitting the open man creating seams and also both of them are capable entry passers and pick and roll passers to Gobert I think Gobert really benefited from that and then the other thing which was a story of this game Mike Malone playing Jokic with other big men which I thought we had settled that I thought this was yeah. well Mil- you're not you don't you no don't no 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 I mean I mean yeah. Fareed for a brief moment in time but more Mason Plumley, and so early in the game they went to this lineup where it was Jokic and Plumley together with Joe Johnson at the four and you're sitting there going like what is the advantage gained of having no oh, no, no they did that that's they what did I'm setting up in the uh yes later in the so, game too yeah so you're sitting there in the first quarter and you see this happen and you go well what, what's the advantage gained here because Plumley is not a great rim protector you know he's probably still at this stage better than Jokic he can't shoot so you're not really getting those benefits and neither one of those guys obviously can guard Joe Johnson. So then you're sitting there and they go into the fourth quarter and they're playing both of those guys together in almost exactly the same situation they got worked in in the first quarter. And you're just going, what are you doing? Like, what what is the goal here? How are you? What is your path to success? And then what was very surprising and I think you could say discouraging for the Nuggets was Joe Johnson did a nice job defensively on Nikola Jokic in that fourth quarter. Yeah, Jokic, uh, and, and we can get into that run a little bit we'll get to those plays the Nuggets actually led this by 10 with about a minute left in the third quarter and then it went off the rails for them with Epe Udo getting fouled by Plumlee on a jumper from the left wing with one on the shot clock making both free throws and then Joe Johnson after Donovan Mitchell was blocked by Wilson Chandler right at the end of the quarter baseline out of bounds with like one second left in the quarter Joe Johnson catches it at three-point line leans in and banks in a three to bring them within five points and then that was the beginning of the run and just continued to get worse that 22 to 2 run you mentioned joe johnson it was only really two plays where they tried to post up Jokic on it, but Joe Johnson that's a big boy he weighs like 240 245 I mean he's not he always is bigger than you think he was and so Jokic wasn't really able to back him down that much and, and Jokic doesn't really have much of a turnaround jumper game where he's going to rise up over guys um so if he can't back into position it's a little hard he kills switches but I think Johnson is big enough he's probably better against post-ups than he is in other places and then he blew past Mason Plumley, who is guarding him again I mean you mentioned just like I could see hey you know what we want to play Plumlee and Jokic together uh as I mentioned with Adam Morris was pointed out to someone from uh in the Nuggets organization to me that those two guys actually the numbers were okay with those two on the floor last year I think that was one of those hey watch the games it's not actually really working type of things uh and it there isn't a reason to think that it would work very well um but if you're gonna do that do it when Utah is playing two bigs out there They're, they do that for a large portion of the game the fact that you I mean this was one of these well you know, this is the way I scripted it out at the start of the game. So we're just going to do this. And uh, you mentioned it, like they don't have the advantage. Like it's not like Plumlee can post up. He doesn't give you the big man advantages, really. Uh, and then he's got to guard Joe Johnson at the other end. Good luck. And all of that struggle from the Nuggets obscured what were some positive developments. Will Barton was absolutely molten early in this game. He didn't start, but he came off the bench and was hitting everything in sight. He missed, I think, one shot in the first half. 
and then struggled a little bit in the second half. And Millsap, I thought, looked solid, you know, playing against one of his former teams. And something that lingered a little bit because we covered them uh, when they came to Oracle in the preseason is that this Nuggets offense right now, and some of this is Millsap, some of it is adjustments and something else, is just it's not as kind of player movement heavy when Jokic like has the ball as it was last year in terms of cutting and everything like that. And some of it is that Millsap is a very different player. They were often using different kind of guys at the four last year, and they're going to need to get some of that back. Obviously, you're trading some of that for Paul Millsap's defense, and he had some moments in this game. But I, I will probably miss the second half of last year Nuggets team a little bit this year, even though they are a better basketball team. Yeah, in theory, and this game, not a particularly fast-paced one. And the Nuggets, I thought their defense was good enough through, and then they really, their big problem was they couldn't score. They gave up plays in transition, uh, and it was a 28-13 to 13 fourth quarter, and they really just didn't score at all until, you know, the first six minutes of the quarter. Uh, but we've talked about this Nuggets depth. After all that, Gary Harris, 36 minutes, Jokic, 36 minutes, Chandler, 34, Millsap, 34, and that left almost very few minutes. I mean, Plumlee, for all you're complaining about he and Jokic playing together, which I totally second, uh, he only played 16 minutes. It's not very much for, uh, you know, the $41 million man, and he probably shouldn't be playing more than that, frankly. I mean, part of the reason why it was so ludicrous to pay him is they just don't have the minutes to give him. Uh, And then Wancho only played six minutes. Lyles only played two minutes. They gave six minutes to Fareed. And then uh, what did you get out of uh, the point guard situation? Moutier and Jamal Murray. Murray plus nine, only played 20 minutes. Moutier played 19 minutes. So I was expecting, because we were getting some messages on the Periscope for the Twitter show talking about, oh, Moutier is getting killed. All this. I expected him to be worse than what I saw. I watched, I didn't watch much of the third quarter, but I watched most of the rest of the game. And yeah, he was on the floor in the fourth and they weren't scoring, but I didn't see a lot of that as being just, oh, Moutier's not creating offense or anything like no. that. There were other structural problems with it. So I thought he was not great, not as good as he looked in the preseason, but okay. And with Jamal Murray, I just think they weren't really, they weren't really maximizing him in that way. It seemed like a lot of those jumpers were ending up with Wilson Chandler instead of with him or Gary Harris, who I thought had a nice game. But part of that is also Ricky Rubio is just such a tenacious defender that he can, he can kind of snuff out some of those looks. I think that that was a tough, a tough go of it yeah. for Jamal. And he wasn't, again, he wasn't great. They weren't, they weren't really pushing out with him. But also the other thing is Will Barton showed so much confidence and had the ball in his hands a lot that I think that kind of offset some of the balance. And there are worse places to go with it than Will Barton. But I really do want to watch more of the Nuggets to see whether some of those developments were more aberrations in this game due to the unusual opponent and the circumstances at the beginning of the game, or whether that's just kind of the way this might be. For Utah, uh, last thing on this one, I think, uh, this is how they need to win games. They need to win games by winning the bench minutes. We talked about they've got some quality players, even now coming off their bench. Uh, They've got Burks. Mitchell is going to be coming off their bench. Epe Udo was uh, just a classic Epe Udo line. 0 for 1, 2 points, 3 blocks, Two rebounds plus twenty four. <laughs> Just uh, Ethan Ethan Strauss was uh, really kind of broke some of his basketball Twitter silence just so he could get back to loving uh, the Epe Udo show. Uh, he and Favors together they really put a lot of pressure out in the perimeter when they played those two guys. Udo was the center during that big run when they had Joe Johnson out there. Uh, Tabo Cephalosha twenty one minutes he was uh, plus. 25 didn't hit a three-pointer but uh still you know a quality defensive player at this point so those bench units have got to kill people and they especially had to kill people by keeping them from scoring and i really liked the minutes distribution rudy gobert had a nice game but you know it was negative 14 Jokic is kind of a tough matchup for him but he did have 18 points and 10 rebounds favors 14 points on 14 shots in 28 minutes you mentioned the the jumper that you know he kind of has to take but maybe not uh so a good performance here i mean not you don't need to panic here for the nuggets i mean i think probably the most panic worthy thing is just that mike malone really didn't show much of a an understanding for rotations certainly early in the year last year it got a little better late but still would do some questionable things and you know hopefully this year is not going to be the same i mean at least played his best players a lot of minutes which is fine i would like to see murray get more time uh than moutier thought he he's a better player better prospect you know Plumley and Jokic together we don't really like Wancho I'd like to see him play a little bit more but I mean you know if you're playing your four best players 36 minutes each like you can't 
complain about that too much and then the other guy who played 30 minutes had 23 points on 14 shots off the bench uh, but that's going to be something to watch and but so it's not panic time for the nuggets they led most of this game we had the nuggets for 47 wins the jazz right around 40 i think you had him for a little more than i did but you know the nuggets should have been a slight underdog in this game on the road so no shame in losing this one it would have been nice to for win a lot it. of this game and uh yeah right exactly yeah they controlled the game for a lot of the time it, you tell me about Jokic. i mean only three out of ten was it just these jazz big men were uh, a tough matchup for him he did have eight assists but also four he was hanging out a lot in that kind of elbow extended but to the three-point line area and it was there wasn't a lot of movement around him he was just kind of like oh i'm standing out there for three i'm just going to take the shot that sort of a thing and it was just a less active version of what they've done so well in recent years so that was a little bit dispiriting he still is just an unbelievable passer and Jokic actually did something which I earlier criticized Joel Embiid for in this, and he's better at it, which is taking the ball and dribbling it up court himself as opposed to passing it to a guard. But they still have other guys that should they should they should give that to, especially yeah. when you can get a look faster. You know, he you can create a little something with Jokic there, and he did have a couple of those highlight plays last year. But you know, just just get it to the guys who 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 make their living doing that, and then you can you can get the ball back soon enough. And so I want to see Denver be a little bit more proactive in terms of putting their guys in the right places to succeed I still am a firm believer in their talent I am less of a believer in Mike Malone for a couple different reasons but they have the pieces here to have a very good team I like it when Jokic brings the ball up court. He's a totally different category than Embiid to me because Embiid is not really a good passer and Jokic definitely is. I mean, he's he can go behind the back on Draymond and get a dunk. Like, I, I, I think it's no problem if he... But he needs to actually court, uh, push it. He can't but, be just kind of like, da, 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 you know, it needs to, it needs yeah, to have some urgency that's true. to it. Yeah, yeah, as urgent as oh, he gets, at least. He's not exactly... One other uh, small a, thing. A this either. is usually more of like a 15 and, and 60 topic, but I do want to mention as we talk about where the Nuggets are going, that after a two-game little home thing with Sacramento and Washington, they have this potentially important four-game East Coast road trip. And why it's important is because it's Charlotte and then Atlanta, Brooklyn, and the Knicks, all teams that they absolutely should beat, but they're still in the process of figuring this all out. And so I want to see whether they win those games where they should win as opposed to a game like this where it was a justifiable, let's call it, loss. Yeah, if you're a real team, you go three and one At on minimum. road trip. I think, you know, if you're a real Western Conference playoff team. All right, I think we're done here. Thanks so much for listening. Follow me on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA. We appreciate your iTunes reviews or ranking. We appreciate everyone who watched the Tour NBA show. 71,000 viewers today over our five-hour show. That was a lot of fun. Uh, We probably are taking next week off for that, but I'll probably pop in over these next few days when I'm watching games, just turn the camera on and and commentate a a little bit. Uh, Anything you want to uh, tell the people about, Danny, before we sign off here? Not really. I have a few pieces that are in the works but they're not really out yet oh one thing for people who subscribe to the athletic is i'm doing the i think they're calling them report cards this year but basically it's the write-ups on every player on for the warriors for each game and there are people who do that for all of the other nba teams and so it's a fun way to get into the granular stuff you would actually be very good at that as well and sometimes we end up talking about it and i put that insight in but those are going to be fun throughout the entire year yeah, well, people would definitely say I was grading people. Too I got criticized. I got criticized. Like, no for business that school graded grade inflation. <laughs> you know, you know that I'm a tough grader. This is something we've talked about. All right, uh, talk to y'all next time. Fantasy basketball fans, listen up! It's not too late to join the highest rated fantasy football app for basketball draft. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com. Whatever you want for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you got to use that familiar promo code CAPSPACE. Play a real money game for free using that promo code CAPSPACE. Let them know that you came from us by using that promo code CAPSPACE on your first deposits. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.